Hey guys, Dr. Greg here. And on the episode that we just shot of the Daily Dose of Dr. Greg, if you or a loved one have a thyroid condition or you're curious of a thyroid condition, we I just did a deep dive with Eric, who's on our communications team and helps us answer thousands and thousands of questions on social media. So Hashimoto's, fatty liver syndrome, gallbladder removal, and the thyroid, all things on this upcoming episode. Hey guys, Dr. Greg here at the studio at the Vitae Functional Medicine Clinic in Burnsville, Minnesota. Today on our episode, I am actually sitting with Eric, who is one of the directors of our communications team. And Eric is one of the guys that gets all of the questions. <laughs> and at literally thousands and thousands and thousands of questions, one of the things that really has set us apart in the world of social media is we interact. And the, the types of questions we get, you see, we're, we're, we're not teaching people how to do dances. We're actually like talking <laughs> about health, right? So the questions are real and, and there's a lot of themes. And in today's episode, we're going to do some deep dives uh, with some of the top questions that we're seeing on our TikTok page and our Instagram page. So uh, without further ado, Eric's got his phone here and he's got a bunch of the questions ready to roll and we're going to freestyle back and forth and uh, give you some huge nuggets about your health. And ultimately, also, if you have questions, jump onto our social media handles. Our handles are, are in the, the comments, uh, the show notes, and we are here truly to serve. I mean, people are like, we love your comment. I had a person today, he's like, um, it was like, I'm gonna be a patient of yours someday, but the question I have is, how many days a week do you walk? And how long do you walk, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's, so we try to be real. So if you've seen me on, on social media, you probably see me out on a walk because our goal is to just be real, not be like this big, whatever fake thing. So um, Eric, good to have you here, dude. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, Dr. Greg, one of the things a lot of people, I, maybe it was your video today in part that went out that kind of related fatty liver, the thyroid, mm. hormones, that one went out today. So maybe I'm just, it's fresh in my mind, but um, you know, we get a ton of, Man. a ton, a ton of comments about thyroid issues, yep. Hashimoto's, yep. Graves, hypothyroid, hyperthyroid. Uh, some of the top videos we've ever put out there are all yep. about thyroid yep. and some of your kind of unique perspective. So maybe it'd be good to just kind of start at the baseline because not everyone's on the same page right. maybe right now. How long do we get for this episode? We're going to be here for like three days or because <laughs> literally you've had thousands and thousands and thousands of questions about the thyroid, about the liver. Easily. Um, yep. Because, and number one, you talked about earlier that that people are actually getting tested, right? So they yeah. go, so, and, and the symptoms are the most common symptoms that we see, right? What are the symptoms of hypothyroidism? Fatigue, like, hello, people are like raising their hand left and right now, right? <laughs> Fatigue, dry skin, um, uh, brittle hair, constipation, um, and, then, and then understanding that the thyroid is a part of the endocrine system, then we can have like hormonal issues and, and acne and all those things. So I think number one, why it's so popular is those symptoms are probably the top three symptoms that we see clinically. So then if you're this person, you go to your doctor and, and you're like, I want you to run thyroid labs. And what they do is they run two. <laughs> they run TSH and they run free T4, if that, by the way. And what happens is, by the way, there's zero research that shows a normal TSH equals a normal functioning thyroid gland. So mm, then people are like, I, I'm sorry, yeah, let me say that again maybe. No research says a normal TSH equals a normal functioning thyroid gland. And the range 
in Western medicine, like, so there's reference ranges. Every time I do a lab review of someone, I have to be like, all right, pump the brakes here for a second. When you look at your medical labs, the ranges are huge. So the TSH, the range is typically like 0.1 to 4.9. And I joke, I'm like, who can't jump into that lake, <laughs> right? So, so this is the frustration. And then someone does have hypothyroidism, which is actually a high TSH. And then they give them medication, which is a, a synthetic. Um, actually, a lot, of these, a lot of those medications have gluten or, or corn in them, as goofy as that sounds. And then they feel better for a little bit. And then they're like, meh, I don't feel any different. Mm -hmm. And then they go back to their doctor. They retest the same two labs. And then they just chase a number with a medication mm. without asking like, why mm -hmm. are you feeling this way? Why is your TSH blown out of proportion? So that's the conundrum in Western medicine. I mean, Western medicine is amazing at emergency medicine. I would be a widower if not for emergency medicine. Our first baby had the cord wrapped twice around her neck. So a hundred years ago, my wife would have probably died in natural childbirth. Mm -hmm. So thank God for cesarean sections. By the way, all five of our babies, yes, five, <laughs> this is a C-section. And by the way, they all had the cord wrapped twice around their neck. So wow. that's an idea of an optimal time for Western medicine. And the World Health Organization says the United States is number one in emergency medicine. The same study from the World Health Organization says in overall health and wellness, out of 39 countries, developed countries, we're 37th in overall health and wellness. And, and we're, we're, wow. we're catching this now with what's going on in the world, with whatever you want to call it. People are starting to question, like, does better health really come through better biochemistry or better drugs, right? And we're getting blown up <laughs> with these questions. So the other thing you mm -hmm. said, Eric, was about the liver, right? Um, fat, non-alcoholic fatty liver syndrome is on the rise astronomically. And you have to have an ultrasound to be definitively diagnosed with that. However, we run um, albumin, alkaline phosphatase, AST, ALT, and sex hormone binding globulin, which are definitive labs that give us an idea of the health of the liver. But what does the liver have to do with the thyroid? So let's go there. And I know that you know the answer because we've worked with this a bunch. <laughs> so... T4 is your inactive thyroid hormone. Think of it like crude oil. Crude oil has to go through a refinery before it can come become gasoline. So T4 has to be converted to T3. 60% of that conversion happens in the liver. 20% of that conversion happens in the gut. So if the liver is being bogged down by, the most common thing that bogs the liver down is chronic infection and chronic toxicity. It says, mitigate liver? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't have time or bandwidth for that. So what happens then is we see that, so then the real marker is free T3. By the way, which should be above 3.0, that gives us an idea of actually what's on board. So um, I think you also had a statistic from like the American, was it the, what's the statistic about what percent? Let me pull of, it up. Yeah, like something about like more women than guys. Have. Yeah, here it is. So... Um, Hashimoto's disease, uh, this is according to the National Institute of Diabetes and Digest Digestive and Kidney Diseases, Hashimoto's is four to ten times more common in women than men. Four to ten times. Right. That's substantial. Now, the comment that we had before we went on air here today was, I said, well, that's because guys aren't getting checked. <laughs> Think about it, right? 
in our practice, I would say 90% of our patients are females. Yeah. And I believe, and, and, and women, you're like, I knew it, I was right, that, that women take their health more seriously than guys. Sure. If they yeah. don't feel well, women are like, I got babies to take care of. I got a house to take care of. I got a husband that if I wasn't here, good Lord, what's going to happen to this place <laughs> if I'm gone? Right? Speaking yeah. as two husbands, right? Yeah. So I believe that it's actually probably not 400%, but you have to have a lab to prove a discrepancy. What I will tell you is I have two men, one guy on my family and one guy on my wife's side of the family that I have checked, and they actually have Hashimoto's. Mm. Now, let's talk about... Not every, not every autoimmune thyroid condition is Hashimoto's or Graves. And this is why it's really tough for, especially women, to go to their doctor and say, I want a full thyroid panel. By the way, our thyroid panel, our full thyroid panel is nine markers. Mm -hmm. So it's really tough for a general practitioner or uh, an internist to say, oh yeah, I'd love to run this huge panel for two reasons. Number one, it's expensive. So most people, most, most clinicians in Western medicine, their ability to be a good clinician or a good doctor is many times mitigated by the insurance companies. Mm -hmm. Think about this. I would love to do this lab for you or this procedure. However, your insurance company says we can't do it. Now think about that. Literally, there's somebody in a carnigan, in a, in a, in a, cubicle <laughs> in a high-rise building that says yeah. that says we're a we're a for-profit company mm -hmm. and if i run this six thousand dollar lab that cuts into our profits now the other part of it is this think of a, think of you wanting to have a set of labs done and and your and your doctor says okay we'll run them and then the results come back and and they're positive but the doctor's like I don't know what to do about that. Could you imagine like being that <laughs> yeah, doctor? No. Like, well, it's positive and I don't know what the hell it means. <laughs> right? Yeah, That's no. what happens also. Yeah. And, and respectfully with the thyroid, and I'm grateful for this, and we can talk maybe this on another episode. I'm grateful that they don't treat Hashimoto's thyroiditis the same way that they treat like rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. Because with rheumatoid arthritis, you guys, they use this whole family of drugs called DMARDs which is essentially immunosuppressive therapy. By the way, if you, if you watch television and, you, and, and the drug commercials come on, I'm famous for this, like when the drug commercial comes on, I'm like, all right, if they got enough money to put a commercial on primetime television. So I, I, I Google it and I just put the name of the drug and the cost. So the average biologic that's used as in the DMARD family is somewhere between eight to $20,000 a month. Wow. With a 30% success rate. Oh. And they are immunosuppressive therapy. So essentially, they take the immune system and just suppress it. Mm. Well, when you understand immunology and neurology at the level that we do in our clinic, suppressing the immune system is like saying we're in the middle of a war mm -hmm. and it's on our home front. Let's take all of our soldiers out. Mm. I'm, I'm glad you went there, actually, because that's a question we get all the time is your opinions on immune system suppression or just yeah. uh, some people would even go as far as to assume that that is your approach. We get that quite right. often. You know, well, so respectfully, I mean, yes, I'm a doctor, but I am not diagnosing, undiagnosing, prescribing or prescribing on this episode. That's at all. That's it's not right. what we do. It's not our approach clinically, though. I actually have the antithesis, the opposite approach. So Western medicine says this, your immune system has gone rogue. I'm so sorry, it's stupid. Here's, we're gonna, we have to give a drug to turn it off. Mm. And I believe, 
and I'm 20 years deep into this, and I don't know how many labs. I mean, I bet I'm close to 100,000 sets of labs. <laughs> when, you, when you look at, if you take the premise of this, if, if, you're, if, if the philosophy of health is this, number one, the body responds appropriately to its environment, then the question is, what's in the environment? And then secondly, that it doesn't go rogue. I mean, if you truly understand neurology at the level, I mean, I've, I've actually have several classes towards my PhD in neurology. If you truly understand neurology at that level, to say the immune system has gone rogue, mm. that is a bold statement. Mm. So think about this. Um, I, I like to talk in terms of war. So let's say that, so, so for example, your white blood cells are part of your immune system function. In functional medicine, your white blood cell optimal range is five to eight. Now, typical Western medical allopathic disease-based ranges are like four to 10. So let's say that you're camped out in that five to eight range and your body, your immune system detects an invader. What happens then is it deploys the troops. So if you have a active acute infection in your body, I would see a white blood cell on lab like 10, 11, 12, 13, which means we've deployed the troops, we've sent them out because we've identified an enemy, and then the job of the immune system is literally to kill the bacteria, the virus, mm. the pathogen that's out there. And then, super important by the way, then your body uses your drainage pathways, the exit paths, to get rid of that infection. So that's your gut, your liver, your kidneys, your lymphatic system, of which 80% of your lymphatic system sits in your gut. Your brain has its own lymphatic system called a glymphatic system, your sweat glands, and your respiratory system. So it gets rid of them. So, so immunology 101, we've detected an enemy, we've killed it, we get it out through the drainage pathways, the white blood cells come back down, says, all right, who's next? That's mm -hmm. immunology 101. What happens though is um, if, 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 Immunology 201 is we've detected an enemy and the enemy has brought its friends mm. and they're good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're maybe not even equipped to deal with it. Some of the testing that we do, like we have a, we have a, a grouping of testing called our total toxicity burden. I mean, we're checking people for glyphosate and atrazine and 2,4-D and VOCs and organophosphates. Our body doesn't know what the hell to do with those things. Right. So now there's this load and our immune system is like, what do I do? So think of, again, in war, if there's a battle and you're not replenishing your troops, your troops drop. Mm -hmm. So immunology 201, a lot of times I see white blood cell counts less than five, which tell me that the poor immune system says, I'm getting my butt kicked, which means it doesn't need to be suppressed. Mm -hmm. It needs to be supported. Now, totally. what is autoimmunity? Autoimmunity, back to terms of war, the war term is friendly fire. Like think of and I wasn't there, but I'm grateful, by the way, if you were there, or your dad or your grandpa was there, but like, think of like the bush of Vietnam, right? You don't know who the, where the good guys are, you don't know where the bad guys are, but everybody's pulling the trigger. Mm -hmm. So what happens is autoimmunity is really friendly fire. The good guys are firing a bullet and unfortunately the good guys got in the way. So again, suppression can, can pull everyone out, but again, I still think you're putting a, a, a band-aid on a bullet wound. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge shift. Mm -hmm. So we don't suppress the immune system, we support the immune system by identifying who the enemy is and how and what, what like wreckage it's done in the body. Like the, the labs tell us, how's the gut? How's the liver? How's the heart? Um, how are the kidneys? Because they can take a lot of like, a lot of damage through that. Mm -hmm. So big yeah. shift. Yeah. That's for sure. Right. One of the interesting things, just to back up a bit, you were talking about some of the drainage 
pathways and what a critical role like actually removing the enemy if right. i yeah i mean or the dead enemy. enemy yeah sure yeah. so it's interesting because one of the recent articles by the cleveland clinic that i have here um just says along with hashimoto's you may actually be increasingly constipated as yeah. kind of a oh my component of that right so how does that play if you know people are listening to this thinking you're telling me I have to have my drainage pathways operating, but it seems like it's the complete opposite. Right. Um, so no pun intended, but but hold that hold that thought. Um, we're going to jump to a little message from some of our sponsors. That's a great uh, placement. It's a good placement, right? So we'll be back in just a second. All right. Let's talk about coffee for a moment. Did you know it's the number one source of antioxidants in the U.S.? It's also the third most drank beverage around the world. Unfortunately, there's a dark side to coffee. In order to produce a cash crop like coffee, it's heavily sprayed with pesticides. It's also acidic, causing stomach issues, and many have to stop drinking coffee as they get older. That's why I started drinking Life Boost Coffee. I wanted something that had all the health benefits with none of the mold and chemicals found in regular coffee. Plus, it doesn't hurt my stomach. They also third-party test for over 450 toxins, including mycotoxins, molds, heavy metals, pesticides, and even glyphosate, just to make sure it's the cleanest, healthiest cup they can provide to their customers. Since you're listening to my podcast right now, you can get 50% off your first order by going to lifeboostdeal.com. They serve a variety of organic coffees, as well as healthy, low-acid flavored and decaf options. This isn't just an ad. I'm a Life Boost customer as well. Life Boost Coffee, low acid, healthy, and tastes amazing. Go to lifeboostdeal.com to get 50% off now. What we just talked about ago was drainage, right? And what is drainage and why does drainage work and why is it so important? So the number one thing when we think about drainage is like dropping a duke, right? You gotta poop. Like that is where most of your, that's where your body takes most of its waste product, most of its antibodies, and it gets rid of it. So the catch, we have to understand this, that if the gut is not functioning well, um, and by the way, so if you're listening to this, you're like, what are the symptoms of a not very good functioning gut? Well, there's obvious things, right? Constipation, you just talked about that. Constipation is one of the number one signs that we see with autoimmune. Now, it doesn't mean that, that loose stools or diarrhea is a lot better. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, they're actually both really bad, uh, because they have different ramifications from the gut standpoint. But think about this uh, when you understand. So yes, your gut, your large intestine is a major garbage pathway. Get things out. I think it's super important because we talked about the liver earlier. Your liver does not have its own like exit spot. Mm. And it, it does a crazy amount of work. So remember we talked about the conversion of the thyroid by the liver. Right. By the way, also women, um, talking about your hormones. Um, and guys, you can send me thank you notes when your women's hormones are, are, are doing better. <laughs> Actually, Christmas presents, not just thank you notes, Christmas presents. <laughs> um, so the liver also moves estrogen and progesterone at ovulation, and then again at menstruation. And then most importantly, the liver, get this, I always say, wow, when I, when I hear this, every three to six minutes, every drop of blood in your entire body goes through your liver. Whoa, crazy. Crazy. I love it. Um, so what does it do mostly is it filters. Its job is to take the bad stuff and say, hey, hey you, uh -uh, I'm pulling you out. 
so that you're not a burden on the whole body. Mm. Now, we know how the gut gets rid of things, right? You poop it out. By the way, you have to be okay with us talking about poop on this show because <laughs> we're going to talk about that. We actually have a product called Drop a Deuce, and people just <laughs> giggle when they see because if you're not pooping, you're not, I mean, just the amount of energy it takes. Mm. So, but you also heard us talk about the liver. Now, the liver does not have its own direct exit point. Like, there's no hole below your right rib cage where your liver dumps its stuff. So it has to dump in two spots, your liver dumps into your large intestine. So if your large intestine is sluggish, your large intestine will literally give your liver the Heisman. And for those that don't know what the Heisman is, it's like no room at the end. Like you can't get rid of your stuff. So if your gut's not working, then therefore your liver will become stagnant. Mm. And there's a fancy word in medicine called a, a cholecystectomy. Say that thing six times fast, right? <laughs> it's the medical term for the gallbladder getting taken out. And by the way, there's all kinds of tests to look for ejection fraction and if there's stones inside. But the question again is always, why? You can live without a gallbladder. I'm not trying to say that. However, many people, and if you're listening to this, you might be one of them. A lot of women will say, ever since I had my gallbladder mm -hmm. taken out, I feel like this thing is taking just a left-hand turn. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of comments about that. So many. Yeah. yeah. I, even today, we've had quite a few of those. And actually, I'd actually be interested to just get your response since I have you here live in the moment. But a lot of questions we get are after the gallbladder removal, right. like you said, mm -hmm. and they hear what you're saying. And, you know, hindsight feels like 2020. Right. And they're saying, if I could go back, I, you know, maybe I'd consider thing, get a second opinion, but you know, it's too late. And we sure. get that a lot. And we get the this question that we simply get more times than almost anything else is, is there still hope for me? <laughs> I love that question, right? By the way, there is still hope for you. Um, in my opinion, and I'm sure that gastroenterologists and internal medicine doctors would be like, that's crazy sauce. I believe <laughs> that the, when the liver is taxed, full of infection, overworked, I literally believe that the liver will, will just put as much junk into the gallbladder as it possibly can mm -hmm. and almost like almost sacrifice the gallbladder mm -hmm. um, and then it gets lopped out but the question always has to be is why is there gallbladder stress why because taking out the gallbladder doesn't fix the cause you know the why of it now it, it can but again now you don't have a gallbladder so a lot of times they're like my digestion stuff because your gallbladder yeah. what your gallbladder is supposed to do by the way is your liver makes a a product called bile Think of like you're at the kitchen sink, assuming, do you wash dishes sometimes? I do. Yeah. Ah, that a guy. <laughs> your, your wife has trained you well. When you take a greasy plate or a pan, which has like oil or, or grease or fat in it, and you put a drop of dish soap, and you kind of you kind of see that like that thing that moves, that's called fat emulsification. Fancy term for just breaking the fat down. Mm. So that's what dish soap does to your fat in your in your kitchen sink. But bile, by the way, bile is not produced by the gallbladder. Bile is produced by the liver and then stored in the gallbladder. Mm. But it stores so that when you have that big old ribeye or that big juicy you know, cheeseburger and you have this big load or need for the, for the bile, the gallbladder can literally squirt it out into the small intestine and it can break those fats down mm. so that your body can actually utilize that macronutrient. So what happens a lot of times when people don't have a gallbladder 
and and there, which bunch of my, if you don't have a gallbladder, I have yet, I have yet to see a set of labs. And by the way, you know I don't like definitives, always and never. <laughs> I have yet to see a lab on somebody that has had their gallbladder taken out that doesn't show liver stress. Mm. That's like a mic dropper, isn't it? Yeah, that's a bold statement. So what does that mean, right? Your phone's getting blown up with more Facebook comments here as, <laughs> as we're talking. So what that means is, they're like, well, my, my, ever since I had my gallbladder taken out, my digestion doesn't work as much. And it doesn't mean that you're supposed to take a bunch of like digestive enzymes or bile acid. The question is, what's going on with the liver? Why is mm. the liver not able to do its job? Because the liver still can put things into the small intestine. Mm. The liver can still do its job, but obviously if there's no gallbladder there, that there's a good sign that there's something was going on from that standpoint. So that's so if you've if you've had your gallbladder removed, yes, there is still hope, but you've got to dig deeper. Yeah. You have to ask what is actually truly underlying in my system right now, because goodness gracious, you can only lop out so many organs over time before you have to be like, hey, like was I just born with too many, or do I have a right. lot of extras here? Or like, and right. I don't mean to poke fun at that, but uh, you have to understand. And again, I have family that's in medicine. I have, I have a respect for medicine. But medicine asks a couple questions. Is there a drug or a surgery that can address this situation? Mm -hmm. Where functional medicine says, now the thing I love about functional medicine, we get to be curious, like, hmm, I wonder why the body did that. Yeah. And if the body truly responds appropriately, what the hell's going on yeah. at the base of this whole thing? Now, I'll also tell you this, this is really important because a lot of people are interested in functional medicine and they're willing to do like the diet or they did a cleanse. Yeah. And I, I asked a patient this yesterday, Eric, and during initial evaluation. By the way, initial eval, for those that are wondering, um, it's a deep dive. Like I, I grill people. I ask all kinds of questions about their health, about their health history. Uh, we look at old labs if they have them. Um, and I asked her this question, what percent of your symptoms that you're experiencing do you think are from like a clinical aspect, right? Like an infection or liver stress or like an enzyme is off, and what percentage of your symptoms that you're experiencing do you think are from a, like an emotional, mental, spiritual stress aspect? Mm. Oofed. Yeah. And you know what she told me? Probably 50-50. Wow. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Because a lot of people, they're looking for the magic vitamin. Yeah. They're looking for the magic diet. And, and we've had them here, right? Like, I've done every diet known to man. I've done every supplement. Well, then, for us to do another diet, another supplement is probably not it. Yeah. And this is why we talk about trauma and we talk about relationships and we talk about self-love and grace and self-forgiveness. Because I, I will tell people, like, so let me say this. The secret sauce to the success that we have in our clinic is this. Think of it like train tracks. There's two rails. Rail number one is clinical. What, what diet should you be on? What supplements should you take? What, what lifestyle components should you do? And number two, every single one of my clinicians is also a health coach. So like if you're one of our patients, I would say, we have to make damn sure that Eric doesn't get in Eric's way of getting yeah. well. So this is that conversation of limiting beliefs. This is that conversation of, of relationships. This is that conversation of even self-sabotage. Now, you might be listening to this going, yeah, I don't want to go there. And I'll tell you this, the only way out is through. Mm. The only way out is through, truly. Because if you don't think you're worthy to get well, then I don't care what vitamin you're going to take, they're not going to work. Oh, or, or if you think this vitamin isn't going to work, you're right too. There's that whole conversation around the placebo. So anyway, I kind of went down a little rabbit trail there, but that's, 
again, that's, you have to be willing. If you're like, oh my gosh, I'd love to be a patient of Dr. Greg's or the clinics. I'm telling you right now, you need to be willing to do the dirty work. And we had, we had a question right. last night where the person's like, kind of like, is there hope for me? And I think the answer was like, there's hope if you're willing to do yeah. the dirty work, yeah. right? Like, like this is, there's not a missing supplement. There's not a missing diet. Like you gotta be willing to do the work. And that's, yeah. that's the tough part, man. Totally. So. Yeah, we could uh, we could sell a lot of supplements if you could just get behind one of these magic cures. I, I'm telling you. <laughs> Let me say this. So I had a call with one of my colleague friends two Fridays ago. You actually watched it. I, I, we recorded yeah. it, right? Yeah. And and they were like, hey, uh, we do this program and it's four months long and it's $7,500 and everyone does the same thing. Yeah. And I wanted to say, shame on you. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? Everyone does the same thing. And by the way, that price, that price, in my opinion, is, is crazy. Like our, our journey, our typical journey with a patient is 15 months long. The first leg of the journey, and it's a fraction of a fraction of the price mm -hmm. of their journey. And ours is a journey, not a program. You see, I, I, I pride us that we're not a program or we're yeah. not a cookie cutter approach because there's this term called biochemical individuality. Mm. Eric, you could have a twin brother who could have the same symptoms as you and you guys could respond to completely different things. So interesting. Yeah. Right? But that's work, right? What we, what we don't do is, is have this like beautiful little box that we send everybody and be like, yeah. here it is. Here's the cure in a box. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and, I, and I do say shame on them because I don't know. I mean, I, I'll, just, I'll just say it. I, I feel like they're taking advantage of people that are desperate, yeah. that are looking for an answer. And... I'm, I'm grateful that I was on that conversation because they were actually trying to pitch that to us. Yeah. You guys should do this. And what I took from that was what we're doing is the best of the best. Like it completely solidified how we treat patients yeah. and how we give people access to our team mm -hmm. and, and the, the tools that we have. Like, I don't know, like I, sometimes I think God puts those things like in our path. And when we look back, we're like, whoa. Like I wasn't in that conversation to do what they're doing. I was in it to validify that what we're doing is on the numbers. Yeah. All right. So that is a pretty deep dive. That's probably more than what most uh, docs learn about endocrinology. <laughs> um, I guess the point of this, this conversation is you have questions. You're watching this. You're like, oh my gosh, what about this? What about this? Ask us. That's why we're here. So Eric, why don't you jump in and kind of give the listeners how to find us? Yeah, sure. So the best way to get in touch with us, and we, trust me, we really do read our direct messages. Uh, Dr. Greg's giving answers to people all the time, sometimes multiple times a day. Um, I think a lot of people are surprised to see mm -hmm. that we really do open these things, and Dr. Greg really is willing to chat with you. Mm -hmm. So it's Dr. Greg Health, at Dr. Greg Health, on both TikTok and Instagram. Cool. That's awesome. Um, and then lastly... Um, we like to love on you guys. So if you have found value inside of this episode, we, what we would do is we're going to incentivize you a little bit. So if you would be so kind to leave us a, a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, we are going to give away one bottle of my 
world-famous vitamin D product called DV3 that I've used exclusively with my family, myself, and my clinic for over seven years now. So if you put a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll go into a drawing and we will give away a bottle of that for you. So we are grateful. Um, uh, we're going to do a bunch of episodes, Eric and I, just because he really truly has his finger on the pulse of you guys and the questions that are out there. And we truly are here to serve. We are here to give information. We are here to be that, that source of truth. So uh, if you have questions, reach out to us on social. Um, if you want to be a patient of ours, you can jump on uh, uh, vitafm.com. There's a link on there that says, like, become a patient or something like that. Yep, I think it's schedule an initial consult. Yep. Boom, there you go. So we would love to serve you. Uh, be patient, we're a busy practice. So it's kind of like um, you'd like to go to a restaurant. Like if you go to a restaurant on a Friday night and you can walk in and you can get in right away, you're probably like, eh, I don't know about yeah. this place. So, so we are pretty busy. We're typically a month to two out. Uh, so give us some grace along that. And if we can serve you, we'd love to. Have a great day.